0: I have a limited time to record this podcast for a series of factors but I did want to put it out because it has been an asked for podcast but also another area that I wanted to discuss. This could be the beginning of the end but for me actually I think it's providing a lot more feedback, fascinating feedback that I wanted to put out in podcast form. I started through the week for a book that I wouldn't read. I realized actually as I purchased it in Kindle form that my ability to run my eyes along a printed page where it had a particular political stance a relatively far right political stance well everyone's relatively far right relatively but anyway a relatively far right political stance that i wanted actually to hear this book and in this instant i became an audible subscriber something which i have not done historically audible approached me within a year less than a year of starting Model Rail Radio and wanted to do sponsorship. And I said, no, sorry. Not interested. Not interested. But now I am an Audible subscriber. Days of Rage was the first book that I got. And I really, really enjoyed listening to it. I'm now listening to The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, which is another book that I've always wanted to read, but no, implicitly, I could not. It's like The Lord of the Rings for World War II buffs. <laughs> I knew I couldn't get my eyes on this book. For long enough to actually consume it. It is 57 hours of audio. But the experience of listening to an audiobook is like driving in a Lincoln Town car. And if you've never driven in a Lincoln Town car, let me explain this thing to you. You are in a car that floats. It is a boat of the road. The suspension is so ridiculously boat-like that you feel that you're just floating as you move around. It's a very strange experience. You are covered in lush leather fabric. It's funny, actually, that it's not really considered a luxury car as much anymore because in the US now you have, you know, these sports utility vehicles and all these other kinds of things. But as a sedan car, a Lincoln Town car is just unbelievable. When we lived in the UK in Wilmslow, there was a house that had a Lincoln Town car. When they pulled it out because it was so ridiculously large compared to the cars in the UK, it was literally like moving the Titanic along the street. So reading an audio book for me is luxurious. When I consume podcasts, I get ads. I get bad audio. I get a whole series of nonsense that are just, just grates on me. And it's kind of irritation which just represents itself in so many different forms as I consume these podcasts trying to find something that I can latch onto, An audio book is just given to you. And it's given to you usually with a really good speaker who you know, makes coherent sense and it doesn't sound like they're reading. And it's just a really rich sensorial experience that I just really have enjoyed far too much. It's concerned me how much I've enjoyed this thing. Like, I feel dirty now. Like, I I have difficulty understanding why I even record this audio anymore because I've discovered audiobooks. And it's a very, very strange feeling that makes me feel distinctly dirty, let me say. But through this, I've realised Model Rail Radio is a podcast which needs to exist because it's so totally unlike an audiobook. And my other podcast, this is where it gets more interesting, right? You've got Model Rail Radio, which is an extreme of, of group participation, of open source. You can see I've come back from Douglas Rush although he didn't use open source once last night. Must have fallen off his bandwagon against simulations and other things anyway. So now I see the world very much associated with how my co-workers see the world. They listen to audiobooks, They love audio books. They don't listen to podcasts. Why would you listen to a podcast when you've got audio books? So this thing has hit me very hard, particularly as the creator of a book or a couple of books in terms of my own work, a couple of books in terms of works that I've been published in many, many books that have never been read relegated the uh the HS content that never made it to dvd and will certainly never make it to streaming that is the intellectual caliber of the books that i have written and participated in so far who knows what will happen with the crunch book but i don't know if there'll be an audio version of that maybe 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 who knows still not on amazon still not on amazon but anyway let me move on from that so in the light of this experience of Understanding now what audiobooks are in stark contrast to what podcasts are, I now want to digress a little into discussions associated specifically with the Apple podcasting app because I've been asked to talk about this. Well, actually, it was raised by listener, periodic listener, occasional participant, Mike King. I thought this is a great topic because you don't get to see the beta, the podcast beta for Folks that actually produce podcasts that Apple is now offering. Apple is offering a resource for podcasters, some would say finally, but it's a kind of curious resource, that enables you to track the consumption of your podcast through Apple devices of a particular iOS level. And it is a, I don't know, for me it was kind of gut-wrenching. It was very similar. I mean, this emotion combined with going to the Rushkoff talk was... What motivated me to get a publicist? I looked at these numbers. I looked at these percentage reaches and I thought, jeez, people are just skimming these things. They're not even listening to these things seriously. They're not telling their friends. I mean, I've got numbers associated with download touches and things like that and all this stuff aggregates together. It looks kind of rosy for my podcast, but the Apple podcasting tool? That ain't rosy. That ain't rosy at all. That indicates very clearly that something is going really fundamentally wrong with my podcast. And really, I should question whether I continue podcasting. Or, or, there's a problem associated with Apple's podcast experience, which Mike King pointed out in spades. The new podcasting app, which is the one that's gathering this data, is so difficult to navigate through... If you produce a podcast, it's going to be very difficult for someone to actually find your podcast. And what I found through this is the podcasts that work particularly well are these commercial podcasts that I keep talking about. The podcasts that have seasons, defined seasons, that have role ads, you know, all these kind of things. They're the podcasts that seem to be doing very well in the podcasting app. And those of us that produce crazy independent podcasts like like 12 years ago in terms of mentality – we mysteriously are just working our way through. I've got to work out what I got to do in the XML code to get this thing working better. But the podcasting app is very, very curious. And what I've seen historically is Apple drew together. And Now, one of these people was associated with the Combat Jack show. Combat Jack passed away. The guy who gave all this advice to Apple isn't even producing podcasts anymore. So rather than reaching out to a core of podcasters, I think 200, find 200 podcasters. I have some probability in that being hit get their critical advice, and then work on an app that actually addresses this issue. If you had produced, if I had produced the content, the hours of content that I have produced in podcast audio on YouTube, I would have millions of subscribers by now. The distinction between YouTube and the way Apple has treated podcasts is extraordinary. Because if you're long in the game for producing content on YouTube, and even if I had three or four different YouTube channels that I produce content like I've done with podcasts, I would actually have a viewership now that would far surpass anything I could imagine. And the nature of, and certainly people, you know, I've talked historically about a variety of podcasters that maintain the same podcast, same XML feed, all this kind of stuff. Obviously, they have a broader listenership. They have a broader subscription. The fact that people need to actually manually follow me, I mean, God, who's going to do that? But if I had YouTube, as my means of distributing this, and obviously I was performing visually and all this other stuff, then I would have a completely different audience now than I have with podcasts. And it's hard not to say if Apple had taken podcasts seriously. Now, they did do something initially amazing. Podcasts and iTunes, clearly very important. But it's never really raised beyond that. And I think about it, another Apple product that I've worked on historically. I don't need to talk about necessarily. But, you know, there are other Apple products out there that languish somewhat and then get revitalized and redone and still sometimes languish because of the situation associated with the previous product. So this is all very difficult and interesting, but I think the current podcasting app has not in any way been designed for anyone who listens to podcasts. And it really is very curious because it's almost like they've gotten in interns to create this thing because it doesn't follow any flow. You actually manually need to go back and check to see if the podcasts have updated. It's not like a progressive thing where, you know, new podcasts will come out. And then if you listen to things out of order, I mean, the whole thing is just not temporally designed. So I feel Mike King's pain. And I also feel Mike King's pain through the fact that Apple now gives me an interface to see how poorly people are interacting with my podcasts. Like this is a two way thing, which is just really, really very bad. And in parallel to audiobooks, which Audible has done very well at, associated with their space. I work for another company that does very well associated with its space in some regard. But Audible has done very well in its space. And they produce a product that's luxurious and enjoyable and makes me feel good, like an intellectual person, because I've heard this audio. Podcasts don't have that thing, right? And as someone who produces audio time and time again, maybe a varying quality, maybe a variety of different things, that's wonderful. But I produced a hell of a lot of content. And you'd think just through volume alone, through, you listen to this podcast, so you might like this podcast, or you may want to listen to this podcast. The feedback that I've received, and I went back through this historically, has been that people have listened to my podcast after I've appeared on other podcasts. So I need to turn up on a podcast in order to even get people to think about maybe they should listen to one of my other podcasts. And that whole thing is so clutchy. I have to manually go and discover podcasts, manually go and discover podcasts. Every six weeks, I'll go and subscribe to a bunch of new podcasts, trying to find some interesting stuff out there. It's not marketed like YouTube. What they need to do is either get someone from YouTube to work on podcasts, or they need to understand that they need to be doing what YouTube is doing with podcasts. That's the only way. There should be, you know, 15 possible podcast options that you can listen to and then subscribe and move through. You need to provide a diversity of audio, a diversity of interest, this whole notion that to get people onto the podcast, you've got to go through all these mechanisms. No, this is information that is out there that should be freely accessible and the ability for people to engage with this information is what is important. So now I've discovered audiobooks and now I still record podcasts and I'm going to increasingly be thinking more and more critically associated with what is going wrong here. And how I can do something to help, right? I mean, it's not just me preserving this passive thing. There's got to be ways that I can improve this thing as well. And hopefully, although I haven't heard from her in recent times, I haven't heard from any of the miniature painters either. Talking about long funk as being the kiss of death, you release a long funk on something, it's like, never again will you hear from these people. Maybe that's the way these things are. Long funk is just where ideas and people go to die, in my general beliefs. Anyway. What have I learnt from audiobooks? I'm going to continue to listen to audiobooks. I really love it as a format. I am slightly annoyed that I don't have a physical book to put next to my Dragon magazines and my, what is it called, Prairie Fire when it arrives. Prairie Fire is taking longer. It didn't come from San Francisco. I should have bought a copy of Prairie Fire. I'm sure they had five copies in this place. So I don't have a physical book to put there associated with the memories. I just have the memories associated with these things. And when I come back to it, I guess I'll need to remember that I actually heard an audio book, which got me to purchase the actual physical things that I've looked through. And they're kind of sad and curious and interesting. Maybe we'll talk about Dragon Magazine at another time. The Berkeley version of Dragon Magazine, I should point out. So that is it. That is my thinking currently. I think my listenership is up to date associated with my various musings. And I will try, I've got a bit of international travel coming up, so I'm going to have to work out how I put all these things together, particularly in long funks. I'm not going to be, well, the first, I think the first long funk, I didn't actually use the mic accidentally. So maybe I might put out a long funk that doesn't have this beautiful mic. Who knows? Anyway, as far as I'm concerned, associated with my podcast, I'm I think you folk are up to date. And what I want to say is, if you want to go out there, if you want to do curious, eclectic things like, Purchase a copy of Field of Chaos and read it. Or maybe I should just produce. I mean, I did try. I think in the short funks, there are some chapters of Field of Chaos in slightly. I mean, I'm reading it. I'm not a professional reader by any stretch of origination. But if you want to do this thing, if you want to participate in some way, get in contact with me. Email me. Uh, Barbalay, my surname, at gmail.com is my current one to try and avoid spam. Hit me up on Facebook. Do a wide variety of things There's a number of ways you can contact me Just let me know what you like about this long fun. We also have a Facebook page A group Not, Not the other thing Not a page, but a group So people can actively participate Actively talk about these various ideas Mike King, I don't know if I've done you any justice But I've tried I wanted to give you some insight Associated with this thing as well